listening to the Mouthful of Graffiti Podcast. The mod, not to be mistaken for John Candy's half-man, half-dog character from 1987 Spaceballs, is a mouthpiece for Mid-Atlantic creatives. I'm your host, Brad Cox, the Mog Father, a name affectionately coined and given to me by conversations with Rich Bennett, and I'm here to let you into the Mog House. Let's see who and what we're chewing on today on the Mog. The Mog, podcasting from Underground Studios, aims to be an all-inclusive, all-things-creative networking megaphone, and with the amount of talent we have in our own backyard, I don't know that we'll ever have a shortage of good content and rich stories to tell. Everyone has a story that's uniquely their own, and it's the Mog's mission to unearth it. The Mouthful Graffiti Podcast started as a seed and couldn't have grown without the support of those who sponsored us along the way. We'd like to thank Musicland, Reb Records, Capricos Books, The Gone But Never Forgotten Black-Eyed Susie's, Vagabond Sandwich Company, Double Groove Brewing, and the Baltimore Decal Gal. Don't forget to use discount code MOGPOD for a 10% discount at Capricos Books. Everyone knows you can't stop by Main Street Bel Air without grabbing some fresh new wax at Reb Records, followed by a delicious lunch at Vagabond Sandwich Company. While you're in town, swing by Musicland for the latest in gear and rentals or a relaxing pint at Double Groove Brewing. Rumors, a Fleetwood Mac tribute is coming to the APG FCU Arena on June 30th. Fans from across the nation claim that Rumors is the band to see if you're looking for an authentic recreation of live Fleetwood Mac shows. Tickets are available at HartfordEvents.com. Just announced, the Phoenix Festival Theater is bringing the sound of music to Hartford Community College's Amos Center this September. Directed by Kathy Concord, this musical classic set in the 1930s is sure to be a treat for Hartford County and beyond. For tickets, visit HartfordEvents.com. Finally, Voyage, the ultimate journey tribute band, is set to touch down in Bel Air, Maryland on September 9th at 8 p.m. at the APG FCU Arena. Tickets are starting at $25. Visit HartfordEvents.com. Business-savvy entrepreneur, musician, and now author, Athena Hiotis is back to discuss her new book with forward writer Jordan Herndon of the hit YouTube channel Bandit Games. Over the past two years, Athena has been working tirelessly on her Link to Success book, and she's here today to talk about its inception and the importance of being a fearless creator in a world where it's all too easy to be a consumer. She's worn a lot of hats in her day, but today she's putting on her Phrygian cap to share her expertise in trade. Athena Hiotis is a driven inspiration as is Jordan Herndon, and I couldn't be happier to have them both on the show. Join me in welcoming these two Hyrulean heroes to the Mouthful of Graffiti podcast. (laughs) Athena, welcome back to the Mouthful of Graffiti podcast. You conquered your first quest, Mog, in October of 2021, and now you're back for a fitting new adventure of Link. Almost two years later, why would you do this to yourself? I'm a glutton for punishment, evidently. Oh, evidently. And before we get too deep, we're joined by YouTube gaming sensation Bandit Games' Jordan Herndon. Uh, did she warn you what this was going to be like, Jordan? <laughs> Are you talking about this podcast interview here? Uh, yeah, she said it was going to be friendly and the best thing I'd ever done. Oh, well, <laughs> it is dangerous to come here alone. She's already done that, but much less dangerous to be together. Isn't that the, the saying from Zelda? It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Yeah, take the, what, what this is in this moment. Who knows? So, Jordan, where are you calling in from today? I am calling in from my home in Fort Worth, Texas. All right. Fort Worth, Texas. So what is that like? Uh, two and a half day drive right there from Baltimore? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, a full day just in Texas. Baltimore. 
Now, mm-hmm. I know a bit about Athena, but to give us a little Hyrulean landscape, can you flesh out your background and tell our listeners, how did you get started in this gaming channel? Well, to be honest with you, I started the channel because I just didn't have that many people to talk to about Zelda. Uh, so, yeah, um, that was uh, maybe five years ago or so. I kind of forget. I just kind of started uploading things like, oh, playing games, talking about it, whatever. Eventually, I found that there were people who liked talking about the story of these fantastic games. And then you fast forward a couple years more, and I grabbed the attention of one Athena. (laughs) And uh, here we are about two years and some change later. You can't see her, but she's actually blushing a little bit. (laughs) Well, that's what happened. And you have 272,000 subscribers. Like, in the modern age, that's, that's basically fame. Well, it's, I mean, it's definitely something. I mean... When you're in my position, you look at numbers like that and you just go, eh, it could be more. But, you know, especially, you know, it it could always there could always be a few more zeros, you know. But it's uh, it's it's one of those things that you just can't really comprehend because that's just so many people. Um, So you really don't. Have you been able to uh, monetize it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. YouTube is a is great for monetization of newer creators. I believe once you've passed 1,000 subscribers, you're able to monetize your videos. Wow. That's awesome. So did it start off small and at a point snowball, or did you pick up a pretty large following from the jump? Oh, it was absolutely small at first. I I remember the days when I would get maybe 10 viewers in a day, and that was like, oh, my God, I'm going places. (laughs) That was like like yesterday to me, you know. But um, I think one... When the uh, sequel to Breath of the Wild, which obviously we now know is called Tears of the Kingdom, uh, when that trailer first dropped, uh, there was this boost in Zelda just as a topic. And all of a sudden, like there was one particular video of mine that I made literally off of like a bet from one of my friends at my job at the time. I I used to be IT at a hospital. And uh, he was like, hey, why don't you make this video about um, this one questionable thing in the game Ocarina of Time? And uh, I did. And then all of a sudden, that one just started getting some views months after I uploaded it. And the rest is history, I guess. But it was absolutely slow for years. Is it safe to say that Zelda was your favorite game coming up? Absolutely. Were there 100%. Give me a a couple other games that you were like all about when you were a kid. Well, when I was a kid, I was a good little goody two shoes Nintendo boy. So, you know, it was all about the. uh, That's two of us. It was all about the Zelda and then the Mario. You know, and there was there was uh, some Donkey Kong 64 in there. The Nintendo 64 was my first and still most beloved console. And, uh, but, you know, it wasn't until I was maybe 10 or 11 before I was brave enough to branch out into the Xbox-verse. And then I grabbed uh, hold of Halo and, oh man, my Halo phase is still ongoing, actually. But um, I'm, I'm a fan of many, many different franchises, but uh, none of them will ever be able to top the Legend of Zelda to me. And I will actively admit that part of that is probably nostalgia, just talking. But another big part of that is the fact that any Zelda game is just this complete package of story, characters, music, um, what have you, puzzles. You might be more dialed into this than I, but was there ever a Zelda movie, like Tomb Raider, that kind of thing? There was actually not. I mean, there was a TV series back in the late 80s, early 90s, I think. Maybe just late 80s. It was the the cartoon. cartoon. Excuse me, princess. Yeah, that's right. But uh, as far as I can tell, there has never been a Zelda movie, at least not in an official capacity. 
The channel was once called Masked Nintendo Bandit. Why did you change it? That is correct. I changed it actually indirectly because I did this stream um, with uh, MatPat from Game Theory about uh, the Five Nights at Freddy's franchise. And we were just talking about kind of... I'm sure if if you know the Five Nights at Freddy's franchise, even a little bit, you know that people like to talk about it. They like to talk about theories and, you know, what have you. Um, So that's what the stream was about. And it was a really cool stream. But before we were live, we were just chatting a bit. And uh, he had asked me why I had that name. And uh, see, to me, I I never had some grandeur, like, cool story behind it. I, I think I came up with that. Really, honestly, just out of some cringe, uh, but you know, what isn't cringe? <laughs> right. Um, but I, you know, and, and so, but it was a question, you know, I had Nintendo in my name. What was I doing covering Five Nights at Freddy's? Mm. And so it just kind of, I had always thought about it, but I, ne- I never thought about it seriously until that moment. So it wasn't a, it was literally like a few days after that. I just went ahead and decided to rebrand to something a bit more general, I guess. I like it. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, thank you. It's It's definitely not as unique but it's definitely more open i also went and got some new channel art um so that i could just kind of throw it up there and show off a few of the other franchises that i do cover mm-hmm. so yeah so jordan in the forward you talk about athena being a kindred spirit through your mutual connection and love of the game zelda which i know from talking to athena was was life-changing at a point <laughs> yeah and mm-hmm. for anyone who doesn't know or maybe checked out after super nintendo what has been so magical about this ongoing story that is Zelda for you? So, you know, I, I, I appreciate the games for, like I was saying, a plethora of reasons. Um, each one of them is its own little package, its own little feel, you know, uh, but yet they all feel similar underneath that Zelda formula. Now, that's kind of something that you have to say with an asterisk these days, because ever since Breath of the Wild, the Zelda formula is really up for grabs. Mm. Um, these days it's about the open world and, you know, obviously Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom has been extremely impactful on, for many different people, for many different reasons, one of which is why we're here today. Yes. But, um, I will say the, the coolest thing to me about the Zelda franchise is how it all kind of connects together. I say kind of, because they purposefully leave a whole lot of things open to interpretation. Which is also why we're here, because it is quite the apt metaphor. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's just it's it's a whole different plethora of reasons. But the top two to me, strangely, would be the stories and the music. So do you cover any other games on the channel or is it strictly Zelda? I do cover some other games. It's been obviously a bit of a hiatus on other games recently, just, you know, on account of all the Tears of the Kingdom hype and stuff like that. But um, I think the second most viewed franchise on my channel is probably Elden Ring. Okay. Under that would probably be the Five Nights at Freddy's franchise. And then under that would probably be the Undertale slash Deltarune franchise. Okay. So And uh, way down at the bottom is probably Mario. That never got much traction. <laughs> oh, come on now. Who doesn't love Mario? <laughs> now, if you did play Mario, did you have a favorite character? Let's, let's go with Super Mario Brothers 2. Were, were you Toad, Princess, Luigi, or Mario? Okay, I'm very basic. Mario, all okay. the way. I'm a, I'm a Luigi. I was the princess. I'm a Luigi. You were the princess. I love the princess because she could do that hover jump. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. 
Well, you won't be able to see her blush again, but talk to me about your admiration for Athena's ability to dream big and often, as you said, in the forward. Because I think uh, the pairing of you two is is perfect, but you obviously have a lot of admiration for Athena. I do. I mean, the, what what hasn't she done at this point? I, mean, I don't you know, know, and I do know Athena. <laughs> like, really right, well. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and you know, I, I've, I've known her, obviously, at a at a distance for you know, just a couple of years, but even I know that um, I'm pretty sure she doesn't sit down. I mean, maybe just to play The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I mean, <laughs> or to do a podcast. Right? But, I mean, hey, at that point, I'm not sure. You might be standing up, running around, figuring out other things while you're playing because, <laughs> the you know, you've got your hand in music. You've got your hand in running a company. You've got your hand in, I mean, now we're talking about publishing and like, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time that you're doing this with a book. Yeah, I've never written it's, a book before. Exactly. So like, but you wouldn't know that you really wouldn't. Um, just the amount of professionalism and thought you've put into this is staggering. And as a, I did say the word kindred spirit, and that refers to the fact that I also believe that people should just follow their dreams. I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. You know, life's too short to wonder what if the rest of the time, like if you want to do something, you owe it to yourself, to your parents, to whoever has ever loved you. To try it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, really, honestly, we're not kindred spirits as far as accomplishments are concerned, because I see you as far, far ahead of me. Oof, no. um, so I've been I've been extremely humbled and honored just to work with you. Well, thank you. And you're probably Absolutely. juggling a lot yourself. Absolutely. It's not just the channel on YouTube. Well, I mean, that is true. I do. Uh, in my personal life, I try to actually not really try to anymore. I've really opened up to auditioning for local theaters and just getting involved in acting and things like that. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, I mean, there, there are things that I do besides the channel, you are correct. Uh, but none that are as monetized or as interesting, I will say. Right. Did you realize before the book, how many app metaphors were in the game of Zelda before Athena pointed them out to all of us? Maybe not quite as many, but, you know, as a fan of games like Ocarina of Time, first Mm -hmm. and foremost, I mean, that game, uh, I I was very lucky, as were many other people from my generation, to have played that as kind of one of the first experiences of my life. I mean, the quotes from that game, if you just Google Ocarina of Time quotes, like, there are so many. I mean, uh, the character Sheik has some of the most famous about the flow of time, Mm -hmm. you know, being cruel and, uh, you know, just so on and so forth. It's just full of so many mature concepts that they are not afraid to give to, I guess, kids, you know, that are playing the game. It's probably why I grew up so awesomely, you know, but uh, (laughs) anyway, no, I, like I knew about Zelda's applications, um, but Athena definitely had a very unique lens on that that I hadn't exactly experienced before. She did. And Athena, before I read the news, I'm going to let you now gush about Jordan. Oh, yeah. And talk about how you two paired up. Yeah, I mean, I actually played Breath of the Wild like three years late. Jordan, it it came out, what, 2016, 17? 17, yes, ma'am. So we didn't get a Switch till 2019. And it was like Christmas. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll buy it. It's, it's a new Zelda game. <laughs> and I hadn't really played since maybe Ocarina of Time. Like, I didn't even play Skyward Sword or anything like that. I, don't, I have no good reason. So I booted it up. And oh, my God, I was just like, I want to die and wake up in this Hyrule. 
Like this is my <laughs> life now. And, uh, and I just have always, you know, it could be the OCD, not sure, but I've just always like, like my imagination pairs with my brain and it's just, I loved that game so much. And the, the thing about Zelda is anytime I've had an active relationship with, with those games, there's always been something going on in my life that was a bit of a challenge. It just so happened. And, and I remember as a kid, you know, pulling up the, the chair at my parents and playing Ocarina of Time. And, and even though I was younger, I didn't quite understand the things around me. It gave me such a sense of like security and peace and adventure. So I bought my company and, and did a bunch of shifts with Pop Riot in 2020. Yeah. And I was like, 2020 is the year, man. And then three months later, everything is, you know, there's no music. I had this loan when I bought this business. We didn't know what was going to happen. And so once again, Zelda became this crutch. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's almost like a crutch. Like I went to that game for comfort amidst the uncertainty. Well, you know, I'm older now and I'm loving lore. Anything with lore, I will eat it up. So I'm on YouTube. I'm like, I don't even know what to search for. I'm like, Breath of the Wild, why this? And right, then right. Jordan's page came up and I remember being like, oh my God. Hey, Samantha, did you know? Blah, blah, blah. And I mean, this is like seven o'clock a.m. And she's like, why did you wake me up to tell me about right. this YouTube video? And I'm like, because it's amazing. I must have like consumed every video like as quickly as I could multiple times. And I'd be at the gym during my cool down and just like watching a video and be like, I never thought of that. Let me try it this way. So in a sense, from a from a sort of channel perspective, it, it would be very accurate to say that along with the game, the stuff that Jordan was doing was making me feel safe, giving giving like this safe place in my imagination, more vibrancy, more like more depth. So when I was going into work, not knowing what the hell was going to happen, I had something to to really be excited about. Yeah. And I just I always appreciate YouTube creators that aren't afraid to be themselves, um, you know, in other games, you will see the same material discussed over and over again. And I understand why they would do that. Of all the um, Zelda theorists, Jordan was really the only one that, you know, had had a, a nice humor, like charisma. There was You could tell this is deliberate and this guy knows what he's talking about. It's um, like live action Nintendo power. It's ama- it was amazing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if we could have got behind the writers of Nintendo power... That's where Jordan <laughs> comes in and makes videos to give us that voice. It, it, it was like, to me, I guess the very simple realization that like, oh my gosh, this guy has literally made, carved out a part of his life on a game. And and to be honest, I think that's where the seed was planted so that when the idea of the book came, I subconsciously was like, well, this this guy made a YouTube channel off of a game. I'm going to write a book. Like, of course I'm going to do this thing. So, I mean, Jordan, to, to your point, you were just a massive inspiration. I mean, really before I even was aware of it, that just to see someone be like, I like this, I'm going to, I'm going to do something with it is so, it was so impressive to me because you overthink it so much. You know, you want things mm-hmm. to be perfect. You want people to like it. You also don't want people to think you're weird. And I thought it was great. I went yeah. in cold and I had to read like a lot of pages to get ready for this interview. <laughs> you did a great job. Well, no, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And and I'm very proud of it. It would not be what it is without Jordan. 
And that's, I think that's the truth is uh, the material is out there, but to be able to be like, like you would go to an expert on something, right? Right. This is like, I've got these ideas and I can make the connection, but we want the connection to be the most secure and powerful so that the current can run the way it's supposed to. So Jordan, thank you so much. It was, it's just amazing. I can't believe it. It's just amazing that it's done. That's the most humbling thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I am, I am so, so extremely glad that that could have inspired you. I actually did not know that it was partially an inspiration for the book itself. So I just, uh, that, that's very humbling. Um, art makes very art. Happy. Art makes art. I would go do it again in that <laughs> case. There you go. Funny, funny enough, um, we talked about a book, like sort of an agenda visual uh, yeah. vision board book when I was here last. I actually brought mine and there's a page here, two pages about a link to success. And I have the date that I got an email back from it. I like printed the the thing. I put it in the book. It was June 17th, two days before my birthday, 2021. And I remember on May 19th, I, scre- I took a screenshot of the text I sent Samantha. And I said, so I've got an idea. And then I went on to say, I'm thinking about putting something together that draws comparisons between business and the Zelda series, particularly Breath of the Wild. And I remember telling her, I'm like, I think I'm gonna like email this guy. And like, what's the worst that's gonna happen is, He's going to say no or he's not going to respond because that's how it is in the music yeah, industry. Yeah. You're either going to get a no or you're going to get nothing. And I was at dinner in Ellicott City. Samantha's friend was getting married and we all went to, you know, a few days before. And I got the email and I stood up and I'm like, he said yes. And Sam's like, what? And I'm like, oh, uh, Jordan, <laughs> Jordan said yes. He said, he said yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was funny. This is kind of the part in the podcast where everybody gets a chance to kind of breathe, and then we're going to get really deep into it. Uh, I'm going to read the news real quick, Jordan, and then we'll we'll be back, okay? Sure. All right. Transcendent Events is bringing Anoxia, the CD release party, to Baltimore Soundstage on July 8th with 51 Peg, Rise Among Rivals, Amathia, and Distance to Dawn. Rapola Entertainment has any given sin with special guests Awake at Last, A Light Divided, again, Rise Among Rivals, Cole, and After the Broken coming to the Record Theater on August 19th. Feed the Scene has Bad Cop, Bad Cop, The Homeless Gospel Choir, Callie Bassey and the Pity Party <laughs> coming to Metro Gallery on September 3rd. And finally, be the first to message me the word link to win a $25 gift card to the Baltimore Decal Gal. So that is that is the news. Athena. Some of the best band names I've ever heard. <laughs> I know. I, the last show, I, I I messed it up and I said, bad cop, bad cock. And I'm like, I'm, oh, you know God. What? But anyway, before we get too deep, Athena, I wanted to draw attention to the book cover. Yeah. It was done by Ian McGregor. It's a fantastic book cover. It's It's beautiful. How long would it take a guy like Ian McGregor to make something like that? Well, I know Ian really well. It probably took him not that long. He just has a gift. Like when he's in something, I would venture to say that the majority of the work he does is research. And when he pitched a couple of covers, he actually had two. There was the one that we decided to go with. And then there was one that had a big tree, which was kind of an ode to the great deco tree. And um, they both look awesome. And the worst thing you can do for me is to give me a choice between two awesome things. Um, But uh, Jordan and I both agree, like, we're going to go with this fist in the air. And Ian has a gift. It it was probably quicker than than I could ever conceive of. The devil's in the details. It's got that shrink wrap on the side. I know. I know. (laughs) It looks fantastic. And it looks like a game. Yeah. Yeah. That was really clever. That was really well done. 
As I said, you are a two-time Mouthful Graffiti artist. I too feel we have a kindred connection. We're constantly trying to push our boundaries, Mm -hmm. managing it and pulling it off. For you, where does that fire come from other than a shop for 60 rupees or level seven in the first (laughs) quest? Um, I just, I never want to feel like I can't, like if I want to do something, I want to do it. Yeah. It's not like I sit here and go, well, it's that time of year where I close, you know, a project. <laughs> and Let I me do just things. fill it up again. It's just I I just want to do what I want to do. And I want to create art that's honest and that can help people. You know, we talked about that before the show. And yeah. and that's my purpose is to create honest art. And I've it's taken me a long time to feel comfortable saying, well, just because I do a lot and that's not a common thing doesn't mean it's unheard of. And I should really stop sort of self-sabotaging. Uh, so I've, I've allowed myself to really get into whatever, you know, art form is speaking to me. And, and it took me a long time to call myself an author. And you should have heard the way I talked about it to some friends. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm just kind of writing, you know, it's, eh, it's nothing. It's just this little book. And it's like, no, man, I, I'm an author. I wrote this book. It's pretty awesome. Right. <laughs> so own that. I don't know where you worked the, hard for that. Yeah, I don't know where the line is. Um, you know, I'm sure I'll, I'll find it when I find it. Do you do you remember where you were at on June 19th, 2021, when that spark happened? These ideas come to us when our minds relax. It probably happened while I was swimming. So okay. super early. My golden hour is like between six and ten. Okay. So I was swimming. I do remember. I was thinking. You know, if I ever have a, a small campus for work, I'm going to name the streets after the regions in Breath of the Wild. Okay. And that's that was where it was at. And then, I don't know, like I, I was thinking about, actually, I was probably also thinking about Jordan's videos and the, the thought process, I wish I could have you feel it mm-hmm. because it makes no sense saying it because I would jump from like right. region to region or game to game. And I just remember saying, man... um, this is actually really good advice. Like, of course, the the line where Zelda says, um, what was the, the courage line, Jordan? In the one from Breath of the Wild? Yeah, the, uh, during the fight. Courage weekend. need not be remembered for it is never forgotten. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, gosh, that's I, remember, great. I remember hearing that going, oh, and of course, right, right. We're, we're playing Ganon Samantha's next to me. And I, I'm like, when, when we, you know, you're supposed to like jump up and shoot the arrow and it's all slow motion. I'm crying. I'm like, oh my God. Again. And is like, are you crying? I'm like, no. And it's just, it's just such powerful stuff. Like Jordan said earlier, like this isn't just a one-time thing. They have, I mean, if you just look at every game, there's not one, but so many quotes that the mm-hmm. older you get or the different situation, like think of a prism, right? The, the refraction of the light doesn't look the same Every time. It depends on what angle you're looking at it from and what angle the light is is traveling into. Right. And I just think that over time, I thought not, oh, man, this is really cool. I thought I'm going to I think I'm going to put this together because I had a um, folder in my notes in my in my phone of like different ideas that I thought, I don't know, could work. Yeah. Like different quotes. And then, yeah, May 19th, 2021, I text message Samantha and I'm like, I I think I have this idea and yeah. So it sounds like not only the graphics got better with time, but also the, the wisdom and quotes in the game. 
Because like I was saying in the very beginning, like you had quotes like grumble, grumble when you would go into like a little cave. We yeah, didn't have true. the the courage quote that you just gave well, me. Well, fair enough. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan. There was a I one of my favorite quotes is from the original 1986. Okay, which was um, it's a secret to everyone. Yes. Right. But but if you oh, think yeah. about it, like the, okay, you know what? Wow. It's like you a, know, I think that's in Zelda 2. Sorry, go on. It is Zelda 2? I thought it was the first that's one. That's the adventure of Link. Oh, you know, you know what? You know what? That's I am error. You know bad. what? You're I'm right. going to take over your channel now. You're done. <laughs> right. I'm going to hey, leave the room done. and grab a cup of coffee. That's it. I did a rebrand <laughs> on my whole life. So, yeah, no, I what's interesting is now that I said that, I think that was one of the one of the things that went, huh, money is important. Right. And it's the secret. No one wants to ever talk about is the importance of money. Now, of course, the Bokoblin it was a, it was a Bokoblin, right? I think it was. I, I'm it sure was. he wasn't thinking about entrepreneurship. Right. But that's what I'm talking about, dude. It's inspiration is that's what art is. It's you you give birth to something and it is no longer yours. And some small little Greek girl is going to play this game and go, oh, my God, this is clearly about this. I'm going to do something with it. So I feel like I'm dating myself just in general. I kind of checked out around the Super Nintendo. I don't know what that one was called. A Link to the Past. maybe. Was that what it was? Yeah. But did you guys both start with the uh, first quest or did you start with like uh, Breath of the Wild Breath of the Wild, and then work your way back? I, I the, the first Zelda game I ever played <clears throat> that I remember playing was probably either A Link to the Past or Ocarina. Ocarina was the first one that just I absorbed it. Yeah. And it, it was my it's my favorite game. But I really have a I love A Link to the Past and I have memories of my dad playing the the original Zelda and I still have the cartridge like I have a working Nintendo and it's I love that yeah it's yeah how about you I uh I mean I, I was a 96 baby well really like a couple days away from 97 um so you know like uh, the console that I was familiar with growing up was the Nintendo 64 okay. mm. and uh with that came obviously Ocarina of Time. And I think not only is that my first Zelda game, I'm pretty sure that was my first game, like just Ooh. game in general. So it's, you know, and ironically, some of the first memories of my life are sitting uh, on my grandpa's lap and playing uh, Ocarina of Time. I think I might have, I must have been like three. That wow. man had patience, let me tell you. I would just <laughs> run Link into a wall for like hours and he was just having a good time. So am I like the old guy on this uh, podcast today? Maybe. How old are you, Jordan? (laughs) I am 26. Oh, Jesus. I could almost be your father. (laughs) Maybe you are. (laughs) Well, you would almost. (laughs) Just a number. Just to put a little bit of meat on the bone, Athena, Mm -hmm. you have two successful businesses that are diametrically juxtaposed from one another. You have Pop Riot, the music label, and then you have the collection agency that you took over right before COVID happened called Universal Envoy. Mm -hmm. What was it like taking over a major business right before COVID? That has to be terrifying. Oh, no. Yeah, there was a (laughs) um, there is no better word for it. I took over that business because I wanted to support my music endeavors. And I knew that I wanted to. I was in collections in college, decimated. I mean, I made every mistake you can make. And so I thought to myself, you know, I could really take up the baton that the previous owner is doing and and lean into the ethics driven, compassionate and and it worked really well. Yeah. But um 
I got approved for the loan in uh, in January. I okay. took over January one, and then March fifteenth was when um, Hogan was like, "Everything's done." And and yeah. I remember I remember going to the office alone, hysteric, like laughing out of nowhere. Just right because you're just like I'm sitting here uh, going. My thought was like, "What have I done?" Uh, and when what am I going to do about it? Uh, so I just started laughing, and I remember going, "Well." I'm going to go home and play some Breath of the Wild. Right. <laughs> it was it was crazy. People still are feeling the effects of COVID. And so the 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 part of the book that I find inspirational now and and also like about Zelda in particular because she's always she has been the compassionate the figure of compassion throughout the series is um to never compromise on your value system. And so there have been moments where you know, before music picked up, I'm like, well, I could push a little more and get a little bit more money. But then that there goes my entire purpose. I'd just be yet another terrible company. Right. And so um, at a very terrible time. Yeah. And, and we just decided not to. And uh, that is definitely something I got from Zelda. What was it about Breath of the Wild? Like, I think you mentioned in the book, uh, seeing like, the the big plateaus and you're up on the the big hill in, in yeah. the book but there was something last time you were on the show you were talking about having a emotional reaction to the game which a lot of people maybe that don't play games wouldn't understand but what was oh, that yeah. emotional reaction and why then and why that game again I, I think a lot of it is my my imagination i can admit it gets I, I probably become emotionally connected to things like stories and lore that most people would be like, are you okay? <laughs> but it's just the idea of what each character represents at that time for me really, kept, for lack of a better phrase, kept me going. Yeah. Because when you're staring down the barrel of a $200,000 loan and you have no idea if next month you're going to be able to pay it, yeah. these these little routes of escape... It's not like Zelda was making me feel like the world around me wasn't happening. It was, you can recharge here. You can, you're okay here. You're allowed to be, you know, as imaginative as you want. Uh, so to me, it's it's more of like I just let myself, I guess, transfer the emotions I was feeling, being scared, yeah. you know, out of my mind into really like when you win something or or when Zelda says something like getting really emotional and just letting myself cry like I am that person that watches a movie and I am not ashamed of crying and whether it's animated video games oh, oh yeah. man I've cried I played Xenoblade Chronicles 3 I was bawling I'm talking like crying and yeah. and it's cool I do you feel like you cry more as you've gotten older because you understand the world a little bit better because I do I see scenes now that I maybe saw when I was a kid and they didn't have an emotional reaction. But now I'm like, oh God, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I definitely feel like I'm crying more, but I think I'm also embracing. I don't care. I don't care. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you see it. Yeah, I'm an emotional person. I get attached to fictional characters and I, I'm fine with it. And now I'm like, but then there are things that people do get emotional about where I'm just like, let's figure it out and like stoic and nothing. But, you know, Zelda <laughs> makes a comment in Skyward Sword about what, what did she say? She's like, will you wake me up? Cause she used to always wake him up. And I'm like, Oh God, Oh God. So man, it's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like she, he, she would always wake him up. It was, yeah. 
Well, Please, I- someone laugh with me, someone in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I think you nail it in the book when you say that with Breath of the Wild or any of the Zelda games, it's overwhelming as it is to start a business. Yeah. But it's like that whole, like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Mm. It's a perfect way to kind of introduce this book. You are going to cover in this book everything that you've learned, mm-hmm. the wisdom, the power, the courage, the three sides of the Triforce. Let's start with the uh, the Great Plateau, mm. and it starts with a jump. And you start out the book with the weapons durability. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and, and Jordan, I'm going to volley a few things off of you um, as well. Absolutely. So the weapons durability is, as far as I know, a new concept, which... To the series? To the series, right? No? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I mean, as as of Breath of the Wild. Nice. And, and of course, here's the kingdom takes it to, to another level. Um, but the idea of weapon durability, I, I have read that it's somewhat of a polarizing issue. You know, people either are fine with it or they hate it. Um, and when you say that, you're referring to you don't start with a wooden sword. You're starting with twigs and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, basically weapon durability is ex- exactly that. Your, your shields and your okay. uh, weapons over time will break. And some of them, uh, and it depends on their durability factor and what I guess maybe like an attack power and then the other person's Mm. HP, the the enemy's HP. And um, yeah, you start off and like you come out of the Shrine of Resurrection and there's a a tree branch. And, you know, I remember going down that slope and going to the Temple of Time and fighting my first Bokoblin and you break like two. And you're like, I remember the first time that happened, I was like, what? What just happened? And <laughs> right. you're like quickly trying to change it. Um, but the idea is once you get off the Great Plateau, those lower level weapons are not only going to break almost immediately, but they're going to do virtually no damage. Right, because the monsters get worse. You no, know, they get harder. And it's just it's not. It, and of course, you're never only just facing one. You're facing a whole bunch. And we're not even talking about master mode where their, uh, you know, their health regenerates. So the idea, one of the first things I learned from Breath of the Wild is you need to upgrade your systems. Y- yes. You need to upgrade your systems. I got to find that question because that's in here. Yeah, you've, you've got to match <laughs> your match your weapon to your enemy. I know, Jordan, if you have anything to add, I wish, so one thing, I wish we were together because it's like audio right, cue. Right. <laughs> Well, you know what? It's funny because if we were together underneath this bar, there's these lights. And so when I'd have multiple guests, I would turn the, the actual overheads off. And if somebody wanted to talk, they could hit oh the light. Oh my gosh, that's so and cool. And that way they, they'd start glowing and we'd be like, okay, it's your turn to talk. Oh my gosh. That way people weren't talking over each other, that kind yeah. of thing. Talk about what you were just talking about, about the, the systems and the processes and realizing things aren't working. Because yeah. a lot of times, how, how often do we go into each day just doing the same thing every single day, not realizing, man, if I just sat and thought about what I'm doing that's not working, maybe today wouldn't suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jordan, I don't know if you want to, did you want to add anything to that or? or? Oh, I mean, like, as far as logistics are concerned, I mean, you've got it down, Pat. That's exactly what happens with the weapons in the game. And it's 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 absolutely the most symbolic thing you know, out there, um, you know, you've got to, you, you've got to continue to aspire, you know, but yeah. of course y- y- there might be a book written about that. I'm not sure, you know, um, <laughs> there just might be one, but anyway, it's no, you've, you've got it down. Nice. I think it's one of the most beautiful aspects of the game personally. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, I think as far as like how we can tell when it's time to upgrade our systems and our resources, 
it, it's an interesting dance I'm finding. And so I just want to preface by saying that this is only really to me. If it if it inspires anyone else, that's great. We unfortunately live in a world where a lot of, how do I want to say this? We, we can constantly be affirmed of anything that we want to believe and, and want to say. Uh, and that's the beauty of the algorithm. You know, I like a video about cats. And within a moment, I have 40 <laughs> videos about cats. For me, it's uh, capybaras lately. I must have liked a couple <laughs> capybaras and it keeps feeding me capybaras. You, 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 I what? see no problem. You, <laughs> capybaras, like, they, what are they, like big rodent wombats kind oh, of thing? okay. For me... <laughs> Constant fatigue, for example. Yes. That was one of the things that that I needed to identify. Like, um, I too am a person that I, I believe age is a number. My age is literally how many times June 19th has come around since I I was born. Uh, it doesn't influence who I am and and how I act and how I look or anything. Um, so I I am not the person that has accepted that fatigue uh, and constant stress is is normal oh that's just ah well you know you're a business owner or you're getting older so things are going to suck all the time so one of the things that i recognized is i am constantly tired my energy levels aren't low and and when i say systems need to be improved it's not just i need a different agenda book or i need to work out this time instead of that time it's let me go get my, uh, I did a full blood panel and I was deficient in all of my vitamin Bs instead of, oh. uh, and except for B9. And I didn't know that. I didn't uh, know well, there was a B9. I think 12 is the. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> But, um, you know, uh, over COVID, like everyone, you know, you, you fall into bad habits. Uh, and, and in particular, one system that I needed to, to rework was my health. And man, I'll tell you, you start reminding yourself, okay, this is how I'm supposed to eat. My body's meant to be active and I'm going to take some vitamins and that system in and of itself, like improved and everything else, like the fight got easier for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely an example for me. Do you find, uh, that a certain level of success or actually accomplishing your goals brings a fatigue and depression, like a success depression. Mm. Like you record that song, you put out that book after like all that went into it is over. That can that can bottom you out pretty fast. Of course, of course. I mean, and there are multiple facets to that. I mean, there, like you were just saying, the fact that it's over is its own difficult pill to swallow. Um, in being in theater these days, that's a, that's extremely pertinent. Oh yeah. Because um, you know, you put oh yeah, you put months of build up into, you know, getting into a character, learning you know, uh, a piece of of art, and then you put it on for a few weekends, and then it's gone. And then those people you met and whatever. Anyway, that's a very collaborative view. But for anything, you know, you you prepare it, you finish it, it's it's gone. But on the on the flip side, you also have the, I guess, the undying nagging feeling that it's not going to be that good again. Mm. That's why you have very very successful people who, you know, the vast majority of the populace would deem as you know. Like, why aren't you happy? You know, but you've got all these people that are like, man, just not really getting a lot of satisfaction out of their life. And it's because, you know, there everything is three dimensional in this world. And it's why this world is horrible sometimes, but also why this world is just wonderful. Yeah, I think that there's a lot that goes on post success that people don't really talk about because it's not as I don't know, it's not as sexy to talk about, you know, oh, yeah. 
Right. But, I like that. I like that. Well, I mean, it's true. To the point, running a business, it takes having the right tools. Mm-hmm. And you cover that really, really well in the book. It's actually right kind of in the beginning of the book. Yeah. Because the truth is, uh, whether it's hubris or sheer inability to manage an operation that's scaling too quickly, we often do not know that our systems are failing and our tools are failing until it's, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning of the game, you, <clears throat> at least for me, you don't fully get that you can utilize a weapon right before it breaks. And it took me a, a long time. When I realized, I'm like, oh, I can get a critical hit if I throw it. <laughs> right. Whoa. I don't have to, you know, stand there being like, I don't have a weapon. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that unfortunately in the beginning, we learn how fragile our systems are because they break on us. Yeah. But if we work at observing and really getting to know ourselves and and implementing little changes, we're going to see, oh, oh, if I do this, I feel better. I have more energy. I can, oh, if I if I approach, uh, you know, my clients this way, it increases my my return. It unfortunately, like I said earlier, we, we live in a world where we're being pampered a lot um, in that we're not challenged enough. Yeah. And or when we are challenged, we sometimes don't feel like we have to deal with it. And I think some of the best lessons I ever learned was when someone that really loves me said, you got to deal with this. Um, and I, I think that when we take a moment, like, for example, on a weekly basis, I will look at the week prior and mm-hmm. look at the week coming up. And when I look at the week prior, I will say, like, what worked, what didn't work? How did I feel about this? You know, what it, what did it do? Yeah. And how can I prevent it from happening? A lot of people brush that off, right? And it, I guess that's what I'm finding is it's easy to go, oh, don't tell me that. Just tell me what I can do. I'm like, well, that is something that you can do because instead of our weapon breaking in our hand, we can understand why things happened, when they're about to happen, and then how to utilize that. And the only way we do that is by observation. You know what's funny? And this is, well, it's dark comedy, but your, mi- your mind knows it knows what's not working and yes. it won't tell you. See, I, I would argue you're, you're maybe it depends on how we're talking about it. I think that if we were all honest with ourselves, we knew when, when it was time to pivot and there was something in us, maybe our pride, maybe our ego, maybe fear when we're like, <sighs> but maybe it's just not clear. It hasn't. It, yeah, may, maybe we didn't know like how. The subconscious knows. Of course, there is a part of us that knows. It's a it's a matter of um, Jordan. You said something earlier about trying. You've got to try. Um, one of the interesting things about the Great Plateau um, is that you don't have to leave. Like when you get the paraglider, you can stay there as long as you want and and kill the same enemies and get the same spoils and you're doing things, but you're, you're not actually progressing. And, you know, Brad, you and I are in the music scene. We'll see that a lot. Bands playing the same venues to the same people and they're doing things, but are they going anywhere? Like if you're on a stationary bike, yeah, you're working out, you're exerting energy, but are you going anywhere? Uh, And, and I, I think that was such a profound, the profound symbolism of the great plateau is okay. You're ready. You've learned. Right. Now go. 
Oh, you don't. Oh, I don't have to go. Oh, I don't. I don't want to go. <laughs> so. Right. Well, before we get to the paraglider, I want to talk about the fog. I thought the fog was a cool yeah. little section. You know, obviously, if you're in the Mid-Atlantic, which you are not, Jordan, we are dealing with our own fog here. Mm-hmm. It's the the Canadian fog. <laughs> and we just legalized marijuana today. There's another fog. So there. there's another fog. Uh, talk the about the fog. fog, what it symbolizes, because with the paraglider and what you talk about in the book is jump, take that leap of faith, but make sure you can see the ground. Mm-hmm. Because... Unlike like Indiana Jones, which is topical, you know, in the Last Crusade, he's got to like oh, make yeah. that leap of faith, oh, but he can't yeah. see the bottom. You're you're basically saying take those calculated risks, but take the risk. Yeah. Did I do that right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, Jordan, do you want to talk about the fog or or whatever? Oh, that that is actually one of the uh, areas that uh, was more of your concept. Oh, okay. And I'm not saying that I didn't agree with it. I absolutely did. But um, like when you brought it up, I was like, oh, shoot, there was fog, wasn't there? Cool. So hey, I'm let you that's take great. On that one. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. Something I noticed and, and I don't know, I can't tell you where it came up, but I had restarted the game so that I could see if I look over the Great Plateau and I see fog, once I grab the um, once I get the paraglider, will the fog disappear? And it does. You don't have to deploy the paraglider. You don't have to do anything like it's gone the moment you acquire it. And there are a few huh. other points in the in the map where you will see fog and you can't see the bottom. And so in those instances, it symbolizes failure. Guaranteed, like in this moment, you do not have the ability to succeed if you jump. And uh, I thought the fog was such a great symbolism for... Um, I need something. Something's missing. And if I were to jump, I'm going to die. And um, yeah, I, I think the fog is an interesting, interesting concept because I would have needed to fall to know that the fog meant you're not ready. Yeah. And I the think end. that that that's a hard lesson to learn because there are moments where we can't progress and we don't quite know why. Until we put it together, like, I'm missing something here. Yeah. Well, you do talk about the paraglider. Yeah. And you talk about it a lot. For those who are not familiar with the game, why is the paraglider such an important... Uh, Jordan, I'm going to let you take that one. Yeah, absolutely. So the paraglider is what makes the game possible, right? It's, I mean, uh, one of the coolest concepts about Breath of the Wild and, you know, now Tears of the Kingdom, because we have to <laughs> loop them both into mm-hmm. one another these days, is this top-down type design for everything um so from a gameplay perspective it was extremely foundationally groundbreaking because they were like you know what we're gonna do with this game you know it's gonna change everything link's gonna be able to climb stuff boom game of the year <laughs> and you know to this day i still think that that's like 90 percent of why it grabbed that title um because it led to so many other things it led to this this vertical design uh for the map and i'm sorry i, I do geek out over game design no, that's you know great. Yeah. all too often but um anyway it was it's a beautifully designed map but the concept is it's very difficult going up it's very easy going down mm. oh man and you and Ooh. not only is it very easy going down oh, i'm sorry what's up no go keep going we're, we're oh, over here uh, oogling at your commentary <laughs> oh well well there we go i mean you know <laughs> You know, like half of this is just what Athena said. So, you know, no. it's inspiration. 
What's that um, line? The, uh, Why is it so hard to climb and so easy to slide? That's what was popping in my yeah. head. That's, I mean, that's exactly it. Slide, glide. Yeah, like, yeah. Same thing, right? But they, uh, they, uh, uh, the point is, you know, not only is it much easier to descend, but once you have accomplished, right, once you have climbed, there are so many other things that are now open to you. Mm. So, you know, you can't get, you know, on top of this, I don't know, Bacoblin platform or whatever. Well, you might need to climb a tree nearby and then glide over on top of it. You guys you got know, me, you, you got, you both had me very excited now. Now I feel like I got to pick up and start playing Breath of the Wild yeah. and all these games that I completely checked out on just because I just stopped playing, but it, they sound amazing. Jordan, you talk oh, about in the are. book how this book is the Triforce Success Blueprint. And as it pertains to power, wisdom, and courage, why is balance so important for us to master, especially in business? Oh, man. Well, because um, an extremity, you know, having too much of a good thing is oftentimes a bad thing mm-hmm. because I think that's one of the um, one of the greatest concepts about the Triforce itself is that n- like none of the uh, like if you're familiar with the game uh, series, then you'll know that one of those Triforce wielders um, is a bad guy, you know, like the bad guy, actually. So his name is Ganondorf and classically he wields the Triforce of Power. But he's, you know, he's evil. It's like, you know, does that mean that the concept of power is evil? Absolutely not. It just means that they're with an imbalance of different aspects, which individually are good. You might focus too much on one thing and not enough on the others, or you might, Mm -hmm. you know, pass up opportunities or, and you know, that, that concept right there is big enough for multiple chapters, Mm. or I'm sorry, multiple segments in and of itself. Um, but that is, I mean, if I were to just give like a nutshell as to why that concept is so powerful, I would say it's, it's the, it's the aspect of focus. Oh yeah. Totally. You know, you've, yeah, you've got to have your focus on everything that matters. Um, and that sounds overwhelming, but it's very, very doable. It's doable with this thing we call balance. This is a tougher mog for me because I want to make sure that I'm characterizing what you said properly, oh, but yeah. you, you talked about self-awareness, self-worth and self-empowerment. How have you applied that into your business life? I know it's a heavy question. No, I, yeah. Uh, um, you know, I, I really started to want to know myself around the time of COVID. And, um, you know, we, we all are faced with moments where what we turn to for distraction or escape is no longer there, which is what COVID represented for me. So I had an opportunity to really unearth a lot of things that were holding me back or or rather things that were tethering me to one place. And, um, you know, I've been in therapy since 2016 and and think it's one of the best things um, anyone could ever do, certainly something that I've done. And by getting to know myself, it doesn't mean that I carve out parts of myself that are not good. I just really try to understand where they're coming from. And my therapist has this beautiful uh, metaphor that our personalities are like a mixing board. And you know, a proper mix isn't always all levels equal. Right. Every fader has to be in its, in its own sweet spot for the entire song to really bloom and sound good. And so that's really what I focused on is what are parts of me that I'm really having some issues with? And of course, you consider I have ADHD, OCD, whatever. 
but like pride, pride was a big thing for me. I didn't want to get rid of pride because that's who I am too. I am the person that will walk away from a deal, even though it's what I want. If it's not how I want it, if it's going to make me feel like I settled, I would rather not have it. Mm. Uh, Now, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. Uh, Objectively, it's the right thing to do for me. So if I were to find that sweet spot for that fader, that's where self-worth comes in, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Revenge, when I say revenge, I, I would get really angry at, at injustice to the point where, and I think this is where OCD kind of feeds cyclically is you think, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get, get them back and I'm going to do this. That's not healthy. Uh, so when that fader is in its sweet spot, it, it becomes justice. Justice is really important. So me being fair and respectful. Um, once I had a handle on my self-awareness, I'm able to really determine these are the conditions under which I want to work and live. And if this person, this coworker, this band member, this partner doesn't want to be a part of that, that's okay because I'm strong in that. Uh, And then, of course, when I am able to stand firmly in the way that I want my life to be uh, as far as a value system, I don't think there's anything more powerful than being able to walk away from something that you really want, which is a weird concept because... I like the fact that we want things. Desire is really important. I think it brings brings out a an extraordinary um, part of us. But we shouldn't need it. We should want it, but we shouldn't need it. And um, even though my businesses may have experienced lulls, like it hasn't been all roses. Sure. Um, I'm proud of it. I'm sitting here going, well, you know, maybe we're not doing what this company's doing or what that band is doing, but like. I'm really proud of what we're doing. And that is that to me is a total win. One of the things that I've noticed, and you've probably noticed this too, is when people are 100% authentically themselves, that they've they've mastered self-awareness. Their discernment is there's no static between you and that person. Ooh, I like that. You know what I mean? Like there's there's some folks that you're talking to and you realize we're not on the same page because maybe you have a few more walls up. Mm-hmm. You know than I do, or whatever. And I I know from the last show and now that you are a hundred percent self aware and authentic. Thank and you. that's what makes having this conversation so good. And that's going to um, play very nicely into your your business approach and how you deal with other people because mm. they're not going to pick up on. Oh, she's trying to get one over on me. You yeah, know. Um, I, I'm definitely of. The belief, and actually Zelda definitely teaches us that in in her examples. The worst is never going to happen if you're honest, if you're transparent. Um, And that's something I had to really learn because I project a lot. I don't like to, I don't like confrontation. Um, But you don't have to like something to do it. I don't. It's never. I had to. I had to lay people off last. Like when things got really bad, I had to lay people. You know how terrifying that is. How heartbreaking it is to tell someone like we got to pause. That, that was probably one of the hardest things I have ever done. Yeah. Um, but you come at it with honesty and you're just like, we're, we can't, you know, as soon as things are okay. And they, they understand. I, I, I will agree that I have a bit, I'm going to say less patience. I know when I, I have a, there's no latency between me um, seeing, okay, this person's not operating the same. I'm not going to deal with it. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm ever going to be rude. Yeah. But like, 
my I, you know, I'm not going to invest my time. We are about to enter the quest for balance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, we, we did cover some of this, um, but I wanted to talk about I just saw the, the Netflix series Arnold and he talks about having a vision, an actual vision. He said that since the time he was young, he was able to see himself achieving these things. Mm. And then he would just, because he could see it, he would go for it and do it. And despite what you may think about Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was an amazing bodybuilder. He was an amazing actor and he was a politician. He did all of those things. Mm -hmm. So my question is, when you were going to write this book, did you have a vision? Was it that simple? Like, I'm just going to follow the vision or was it like, I have an idea, which is kind of usually a little bit more fragmented. In the beginning, I, I think I had the vision. I don't think I, I don't think I saw it. I think I felt it. But yeah, I, I in the course of writing this book, became more self confident. And by the time I reached out to Jordan, I was like, no, this is gonna. This is going to be a thing. You knew. It's weird, hmm. right? Because you you just how do you how do you quantify and measure and explain a gut feeling or intuition? Right. You know, you you can't. Uh, if you try too hard, it sounds hokey. Whatever. I can only say that there have been moments in my life where I have known something, and it's a feeling. I I have it in the same spot in my gut. And I when I started writing this book, I remember thinking. How am I going to write a book? I can't sit. You're talking to someone that like, you know, I, I can't sit down to do anything for too long a time. How am I yeah. going to write a book? I One bite at a time. Yeah, That's I, how you ate the elephant. And it it um, it sort of wrote itself. And I remember reading, <laughs> reading the last, the last page. And I remember crying, just like weeping. Yes. Because, man, I thought to myself. If I had this when I was young, I would have lost my mind. I would have lost my mind. Yeah. And I I remember thinking, I'm going to try because I think this is going to be big. Yeah. And what a, again, weird thing to say about yourself, right? Not yourself, this thing. But I don't know. It just, it's, again, so honest. Yeah. The, the, that's one thing about the book. I'm sure people can find many, many mistakes but well, um, okay, so before you even do that to yourself, just know that no matter how much you edit this book, there are going to be mistakes. Sure, sure, yeah. Just accept it. And the cool thing is, I don't know how you're handling the distribution, but you can usually fix it. So. Yeah, oh, yeah I, and I appreciate that. Yes. Um, I, I look at the book and I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. And that's all I can say is like, there's, there's nothing that felt like it was reaching. And I, I'll tell you when I felt. I, my intuition met sort of this land of fact and proof. I Googled, I'm like, I have to see if anyone's done this. Mm -hmm. And I was so scared. I'm like, someone's going to do it. Nothing. There was like one article that you can tell was like content filler. It was like perseverance, you know, just random advice. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be the first. This is going to be the first time anyone has ever written about Zelda and business to this capacity. And that was really intimidating uh, because the only thing that stopped, that separated me and this thing was doing it. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. as you say, everything is learnable. Every Everything is learnable. I love that because I was like, God, that's so simple. It's true. Yeah. 
there is. isn't a, and I think the example that I use in the book is like people that do neuro, you know, uh, brain surgery, no one, not, not a single brain surgeon out there is operating with the knowledge, the skill and the capacity that they're born with. Mm-hmm. They had to learn how to do surgery. I will say everything is learnable until you're 45 years old. Okay, and then what? Then it's <laughs> nothing, everything's forgettable. Nothing's learnable. <laughs> you cannot teach an old dog new tricks. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm 45, Jordan, and uh, like I said, and it it does become progressively more difficult to learn things, but it's absolutely true. Everything is learnable. Yeah, I mean, it, and I just think there's there, we need to embrace this reality that our mind really does influence our body. And again, that's another hokey thing that people are like, ugh, but it is true. I mean, I I ran a triathlon sprint my first. Oh, say it again, Jordan. I just said absolutely. I, I ran my first triathlon sprint the day before my birthday, June 18th. And thank you. Uh, I'm really proud of that. And I didn't train. I mean, when I say I didn't train, I did not train for the three disciplines, one right after the other. I knew I could swim. I could run a 5K. But the first time I got on that bike was that morning. I was reading up how to shift gears at 5 a.m. Uh, and But I told myself, I, I basically meditated before and I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to kill it. I'm not going to be in any pain afterward. Yeah. And I've I, I really, I did it in an hour and a half and for no training, wow. nothing. Um, and I felt nothing. Like I felt great. And so I think that once we embrace, you know, the three mindsets in the, uh, the, the Triforce of Wisdom chapter, that's the, those are the hardest things. It's hard for you to accept that you can learn anything that you need. You're not going to have to learn to do rocket science. So, Enough with the arguing. You know, how people are like, oh, yeah, everything's learnable. So build me a rocket. I don't want to. Why would you go with the most unrealistic, right. irrational example? But what you do need to learn is how you how do how do social media ads work? You want to sell right, something? Right. How did, it's not rocket science. So it's it's weird because what's frustrating to people is when they realize how simple it is. Again, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Right. But then they get frustrated because it's on them. I have people that will actually reach out sometimes and be like, how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this? It's like, I'm not special. I just figured it out. You can figure it out too. I'll help you. But like, it's learnable. Yeah. We have Google. (laughs) We have YouTube. And we have trial and error. Right. All right. So courage, Mm -hmm. moving on to courage. You obviously are very courageous. You've put yourself on stage multiple times. You're going to put yourself on stage this afternoon. Lee's Land? Was it Lee's Landing? Yeah. Okay. Um, You've done so much. In the book, you talk about, well, it's broken up into an acronym, but never do what fear commands, except fear must be dealt with. That's the A. V is value and respect fear, which I think most people would think is a little bit strange. Actually, before I go into the fourth one, what do you mean by valuing and respecting fear? I I believe that people are very quick to want to reject anything that doesn't feel good. Uh, which is probably why we try to pretend we don't have any bad parts of us or we try to forget, you know, the, the, our weaknesses, so to speak. Uh, fear is, is a very natural reaction that our mind and our bodies are trying to, to protect us. Yeah. I mean, we obviously have inherited that from, you know, the ancients. And although we're not running from like wildlife, for survival, that that is still in there. Right. And um, again, I, I think as the world evolves, as social media plays a, a bigger and bigger role in, in how we conduct ourselves, it's very easy to say, no, I'm okay. 
I'm, I'm not going to deal with this. This is uncomfortable. And the one thing I've, I've really learned from my therapist is um, discomfort does not mean lack of safety. And so, and, and of course, <laughs> we're not talking about actual fears right. that, you know, imminent danger. We're talking about, I've got to take this risk and I'm really afraid of reaching. I mean, if this was five years ago, I would have never reached out to you, Jordan, because I would have been like, he's totally going to laugh. You know, I had a shame complex. Like I was, I was convinced I was going to be shamed and um, I wouldn't have reached out. And I probably wouldn't have even done the book because I'm like, they're going to laugh. Everyone's going to laugh. It was a very carry moment. But if we don't sit down with our fear and figure out what it's trying to tell us, we, then we can't tell it. It's okay. Let's do it together. And I think that that's something that um, if you look at any successful entrepreneur, they have assessed the situation. I mean, I actually didn't know this, but Jordan made it clear that Link actually shows fear shows fear all the time. And I'm like, how in, the, how in the world can the bearer of the Triforce of Courage be afraid? And he, he said, you know, well, I mean, you could, you could talk about that. I mean, like, and, and he's yeah, right, I you mean, see it. Well, and I mean, you know, every, every time he enters a room and something, you know, closes behind him, he jumps, he's scared. You know, every time there's a new, you know. He sweats enemy, in I mean, one of the games, doesn't he? <laughs> like when he's trying to push a boulder. He does what now? Doesn't he sweat a little bit off his brow? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, in Breath of the oh, Wild, he has these sweat drops that kind of fear. fly in every direction. But, <laughs> I mean, he he definitely – I mean, yeah, that's more like a, oh, I'm really straining. Right, right. Right. <laughs> not, I'm not afraid of the border. It's just very hard to lift. I think, I think one of the coolest moments, probably the pinnacle of his fear and the picture of exactly what Athena is talking about with this embracing it and moving through it um, – is is like the dream sequence but when it actually happens in ocarina of time so if oh, if you're not yeah. familiar then you know the game starts and link's got this nightmare that he's been dealing with and it's like you know he keeps seeing like zelda running out of you know hyrule castle on a horseback and it's storming but what he didn't see was you know i was mentioning the big bad ganondorf dude well what he didn't see was that that was going to be an encounter between Ganondorf and himself alone mm -hmm. uh, as a child. And he sees him and Ganondorf is very intimidating. He's mm -hmm. very scary. I mean, he's this grown man that wields like infinite amounts of power, you know, and he's, he's chasing down the princess. He, he just overturned the literal law of the land, Hyrule castle. And uh, so, yeah, he's a, he's a scary guy. And he addresses Link directly. And Link actually backs up because, I mean, that is very frightening. But then he takes a moment when Ganondorf asks him which way did Zelda go. And he decides in that moment that he's not going to comply. He's not going to be afraid anymore. And he draws his sword. Now, of course, Ganondorf thinks that's funny because, you know, it's just this little kid. Right. Um, but even Ganondorf has no choice but to respect that. Mm. Um, anyway, so I think I don't know. I think that's just probably the the greatest picture of this concept. Yeah. Of what can happen when you work through that, because obviously the rest is history. He commanded Ganondorf's respect, so Ganondorf didn't kill him. Um, and then later on, he was able to overturn it all. And that leads to the final tenet of yeah. fear and courage in, in addressing it is identifying and defining the fear for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean I think when it when it comes to courage and and fear. Uh, Something that I've learned uh, through therapy and, and discerning OCD loops is 
sit with it, you know, walk it down the whole path. Um, you know, when when you are terrified of something or you're convinced, oh, this is going to fail. This is going to blow up in my face. How? How how are you thinking like you're feeling fear? That's an isolated thing, right? We're respecting it. We're not ignoring it and we're not cowering to it. We are. I see you. Let's talk. And then through that conversation. OK, fine. Athena, you're afraid of of uh, this this um, awesome YouTuber sending you, uh, you know, oh, what are you writing about? Whatever. Get out of here. Is that real? Like, do you think that that's actually going to happen? What percentage of people would actually respond in that way? And then, you know, when you start getting into these exercises, you're like, what is the probability? Because that's the thing about fear is it's such a it's not a concrete presence, but yet our reactions and our subsequent decisions to act or not act, they're very concrete and they have concrete repercussions. Mm. So if we're going to actually affect our lives in measurable ways, why don't we ask ourselves measurable questions? Okay, you're afraid of blank. What's the probability that's going to happen? Yeah. Have you ever experienced someone doing that? And when you start answering these questions, you're like, okay, I'm, and of course, that's a conversation for another day. Mm. There's no actual reason for you to not send that email release that song, start acting. Now, here's an interesting thing about that. Sometimes it's not that you're afraid to send it. You don't have the energy to deal with the response yet. You'll type it out. You know you're going to send it two days later. But in that moment, you're just so exhausted mentally from whatever else may be going on. You're like, I can't send it now because I can't handle the response now. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess I never I never considered that. Yeah. I never consider that. It's like dealing with like, how much can I take right now? Like as in how, if I get the re the rejection, can I handle that? Is right, that what you're saying? Right. Mm. Maybe, maybe two days later mm. when you're, you're fresh and, and you know, yeah, I, then I, guess I could I, take yeah. the rejection, but today I can't take it because I'm already feeling kind of, <laughs> kind of low. Yeah, no, that's, that is true. That is true. All right. So we got one more tenant of the Triforce here that we need to cover before we get into the fourth piece of the Quad Force. That's what I'm the calling quad it. Force. The Quad Force. <laughs> it's a new Legend of Zulda game yeah. that's coming out. The, there it so is. The, <laughs> the last one is power, raw power, because, well, none of us are self-made, right? We're all the sum of the people who made us possible. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, oh, yeah. So in the book, uh, you talk about there being activities and questionnaires to assist with productivity by assessing what causes one to drift. Now we're talking about drifting. So what do you think causes you to drift in your personal life from your goals, either than gaming? <laughs> other than gaming. Discomfort. Um, you know, I, I think for me, the thing that scares me the most is that my, that my intuitive feelings are right. That this book, for example, or this song or whatever really is going to do something. And then how am I going to, how am I going to handle that? There are days where I barely hold it together. Now, what am I going to, if we allow ourselves to think about that scenario, we really want, mm. how am I going to hold it together? Uh, and so for me, it was distraction for me was rooted in a fear of success of, um, hey, I don't, what is the fear of success for, for me is, we all uh, have it. Yeah. I, for me, it, it is, um, this irrational fear that people close to me will be, who the hell does she think she is? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I, I luckily have never had anyone say that, but I have had 
unintentionally backhanded comments because of how many things I do. Uh, you know, oh, wow, you can't sit still, can you? Or, you know, whatever. And it's a bit more involved. And it's like it is always presented in. And again, it's not intentional, but it's presented in such a way that it is abnormal. Hmm. And it's like, well, so. And uh, the more I've come to embrace this is just who I am. This is what makes me happy. This is what makes me feel alive. I found myself drifting less and less because I'm, I'm comfortable with the possibility of success or failure. How about you, Jordan? You know, you've obviously oh, got I mean, your, your, your channel that's uh, you're very passionate about. What, what causes you to drift? Are you implying something? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, me, you know, there's there's always I'm going to be a bit more lame with it. But I mean, like if you have a large workload that you know of. Right. So mm-hmm. we're past the whole like figuring it out stage. Now we're at the part where it's like, OK, it is work. What if you just don't feel like it because you're being lazy? You know, that's one of those Fair things enough. that a lot of people I mean, it's one of those things that affects everybody. A lot of people have great work drives. Um, a lot of people don't. Uh, but regardless of what you're pre you know, disposed of, um, you need to figure that part out. You need to figure the part that makes you want to keep working out. And for a lot of people, you know, it's, it's the part of motivation. So, you know, if you, if you lose your motivation, then you'll absolutely start drifting left and right and upwards and downwards. And, you know, you'll end up doing something completely needless, um, for a week. Uh, but if you find yourself getting satisfaction from, other things, then to me, that means that you need to take a few steps back and figure some things out. That's not lame at all. I I think that's a very, very real thing that we all deal with. Uh, You know, whatever, whenever we're in a position where we're doing something that we love and it's, you know, a job or, or, you know, or we're monetizing it, I think there's always that fear of, I don't feel like doing it right now. I just don't right. feel like it. Um, there are times where I have no reason to not want to go into the studio, for example, other than I'm like, I don't want to. I want to sit at home in my sweats and, you know, do sorry, nothing. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Tony Corelli. Um, so I, I think that is probably the most important example of of drifting is honoring those moments, but also recognizing like, when when should it be a concern? Like, right. Think of it as like eating snacks. You know, mm-hmm. you want to have a slice of strawberry shortcake once in a while. Cool. But if once in a while is every other day, then we've got something to. I do love to, strawberry shortcake. I know it is the best. It's so good. <laughs> but no, I, I love it. You were just saying you don't want people or maybe you're self-conscious about people thinking, who does she think she is? Right. Mm hmm. But I will tell you, I read the book, not the whole book, but I did read a lot of the book, and your tone does not come across like that at all. It just, it comes across as, this is what I found, this is what I think, this is what works, in my opinion, at this stage of my life. So I don't think you need to worry about that at all. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. It's, 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 it's a very easy read, too. Yeah. Well, I, I use big words like the and <laughs> Zelda. <laughs> we, we've covered a lot of ground. I'm just trying to figure out like it. the best way to wrap. Let's touch on a little bit the sustainable success that you talk about, the fourth piece of the Triforce. Yeah. You know, one of the things um, I have this huge folder, (laughs) it's like every bit of me is like, throw the folder away. The book is done. But it's like, you know, the email exchanges between Jordan, Jordan and me. And and one of them, uh, there's like a list of questions. And um, 
there was there was a talk about that fourth piece, the symbolism, and that's where Jordan talked a lot about balance. Um, sustainable success for me is the most important goal that we can have as entrepreneurs. And when I say entrepreneurs, I really mean anyone that wants to pursue an idea and monetize, whether it's alongside something else or, or whatnot. If, if, you're, I, if your goal is to make money, you're an entrepreneur. And if your goal is to make more money than you spend, you're a business owner. You're, you're going to do this. Sustainable success is when you, when your company is able to evolve and continue to profit over the long term. And, you know, we talked a lot about social media and how things are now. It is very seductive to want to go for an easy blip. Oh, if I, if I talk about this topic on my channel, I know I'm going to get, well, 10 other people talked about it. Right. Um, and unless you're, you know, doing something unique, fine. It's the, right. the 11th time that someone's going to talk about something. But if you're able to think, okay, this is my approach. Uh, I know myself. I know my value. I know how I want to do it. What you end up doing is you cultivate support, whether it's a fan base, customer base, whatever, that is with you because of you. You know, something adjacent to that is the example of musicians that go on TikTok and they uh, will do funny videos mm-hmm. or something that has nothing really to do with what they're selling. And they wonder why there's a low conversion. Well, if I showed you an ad for a sick pair of shoes and you came to my store and you're like, hey, I want to buy those shoes. What would it look like if I said, well, actually, not not only do we not have those shoes, we don't even sell shoes. We sell jeans. Right. right? right. So how how we promote ourselves is how is is what people are looking for when they find us. Right. So the the desire to want something now is so great, but it's not sustainable. No. Because then what you have is you have a whole bunch of people um, that are constantly rebranding, constantly changing. And this is coming from both of us, both Jordan and I changed names of our project. You know, my band right. name changed, his entire business name changed. So those decisions are made carefully and deliberately because we've got a group of people that really like who we are, not the exoskeleton of this idea. So by knowing ourselves, by defining our value system, by being productive, we have a slower but sturdier pace. Right. I'm not saying that it's slow, but it's definitely not going to be overnight blip because a lot of those ideas are on the backs of current trends Mm -hmm. and you blink and that trend's gone. Right. Uh, So that's why, you know, Jordan earlier said there's such a, a, a great importance in balance. If you have too much wisdom, too much courage, too much power, there's something wrong. And that balance is going to is going to cut your journey short. Jordan, what was the example? Was it the first Hyrule Warriors where Link was kind of a cocky? That dude? was that would have been the first time in the series. And of course, you know, whether or not Hyrule Warriors is actually canon doesn't matter. It's yeah, still, yeah. It's you know, it's still the the characters. It's still a story, a Zelda story. But anyway, that's besides the point. That was the first time that Link was actually shown to yeah be exactly like what you said. He he had a bit too much pride, you know, where where a little too high on his own supply. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but he uh, and it, it actually 
um, was a bad thing. He he nearly ruined everything because he underestimated certain things. Um, I mean, it's been forever since I've played Hyrule Warriors, but I do remember the first time that, I mean, because it's near the end of the game, I remember the first time that came around. He even had the Master Sword at this point, I'm pretty sure. And it was it was quite surprising, you yeah. know, but it's it's true. Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about sustainability. You can only be sustainable when you have all three of those Triforce pieces, just like you're never going to see that fourth Triforce piece until they come together. And from, you know, I've talked to Jordan so much about this in the last couple of years, the, the pieces will only come together when there's balance. And I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't stop people from wishing Right. It, it. Right. So if you, you know, like if you do want to wish upon the Triforce, um, it I will say it's a it's a tad bit confusing because sometimes the Triforce goes no and it just <laughs> splits and doesn't let you do that. Um, but clearly, you know, you can you can force it to you can force it to to work. Um, but the point is, you know, if you if you wish upon the Triforce with an imbalanced heart, I mean, to to say it extremely simply, it's not ideal. Okay, yeah. you know, you're not only are you going to wreck yourself, you're going to wreck the world. And we see that literally, you know, obviously you might not literally cause storms to appear in the sky, but you're going to wreck your world. You're going to wreck, you know, the things that that represents in your life. Yeah. It's so. kind of like the never ending story. You can't get through the Oracle unless you're pure of heart and balanced. And most most don't make that journey. That is such a good That's movie. That's exactly the same. Ooh, what a good movie. I know. Absolutely. Rest in peace, heart tax. Oh. All right. So this is a question Lisa wanted me to ask. Jordan, I'll ask you this question. If you mm -hmm. had three wishes, what would they be? Oh my goodness. Three? It's in the it's in the book. So I, I just uh I wanted to ask somebody. Do you you want, <laughs> want me to give you a chance to think about it? I mean, you know, it's 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 one of those things where it's like, who hasn't thought about this since they were a kid? I could be lame and say, a thousand more wishes. But you know, <laughs> right. we're not we're not doing that today. I think that well, I, I and you know this this isn't necessarily lame. It's cheesy as hell, but you know, it is what it is. I think that my first couple wishes would be for the world that I live in and the people that I care about. I don't know. It's you know that would probably be something different um, depending on what's happening at that present point in time. But you know, like right now, for instance, I've got. Uh, a mom who I think should get back into the dating world, right? So maybe I'd use a little bit of that, you know? Like, who, <laughs> who knows? You know what I mean? It's it's the things that are important to you. Yeah. Um, but if I were to use a wish for myself, I'd say that I would wish I had my knowledge that I do now, which isn't that much, but, you know, it's something. I'd wind the hands of time back about 20 years or so and just do it again. Um, yeah. Because, you know, there's, 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 there's a cumulative effect that happens as you get older. Like Athena said, age is just a number. Um, I'm not trying to say that anything, I'm not trying to say anything negative happens. I'm saying that you gain experience you know, oh, yeah. and, and the things that you do come easier. And so, you know, that, I think that would be invaluable, especially as a, as a person who tries to create things on their own, uh, to be able to just go back, you know, yeah. and do, do it over, do it faster, do it better. Yeah. You know, <laughs> All right, I got one more question, and this one's for you, Athena. Okay. What do you want people to take from a link to success? That what they want to do, whether it's 
to tour the world with their band or to win an Oscar is nowhere near as crazy of an idea or uh, elusive of a goal as we may think. You know, there was someone that walked into a room and said, I got this idea, guys. Hmm. We should go to the moon. Like there was someone that said that for the first time ever. And my goals, Jordan's goals, your goals are nowhere near as monumental to try to to not only work towards, but to conceive of. Uh, So the, the sense of adventure that we get from playing these games should exhilarate us when we're thinking about pursuing our entrepreneurial goals. I would love nothing more than to reach the level of stardom that St. Vincent hmm. has. You know, hey, maybe you know her, maybe you don't. I do. She won two Grammys yeah. and she gets to do it her way. So in the in the Triforce of Wisdom chapter, we really focus on setting specific goals that you want. You want to have three houses? Write it down. You want to tour with Muse? Write it down. You want to, you know, do X, Y, and Z? Great. And the goals are written in such a way that they they mirror balance. There's goals for yourself, experience goals, and then contribution goals. You know, what are you going to do to make a difference in someone's life? And so when you start looking at goals that way, those excuses of, oh, money is the root of all evil. Oh, you shouldn't want for yourself. Eh, well, that's 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 ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous because right. you have just as much of a right to want fame or or wealth as you would world peace. And when you start getting to specific goals, like I want a room full of shoes. That's as one of my goals. I want a room full of nothing but shoes. That's Mariah Carey. I love her then even more than I already do. Yes. <laughs> but also in my magic column, uh, the or tag and Mimi. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I would lo- I would lose it. <laughs> Is uh, I want to donate, um, you know, a, a fair amount of money to the Lancaster Farm Sanctuary. Now oh. those goals, they highlight the same thing that you're you want to make money. You want to be a millionaire. But instead of saying I want to be a millionaire, you're actually saying no. I I want to I want to help this organization. I want to do this. I'm gonna, you know, start some grants. And I want like you know I want. I want a little, what do they call it? Scooter, a putt-putt thing? Yeah. Samantha and I call it a, a segue. Uh, no, not a segue, uh, like a Vespa. Oh. She's going to listen to this and go, you're not getting a Vespa. <laughs> you're getting a Vespa. <laughs> so, and you shoes. Know, you, yeah, yeah, shoes, many. If you want to, if you take one thing from this book, it is that, you know, Jordan and I are two random people that each in our lives decided, I have this idea. And we did it. And... Yes, we could sit here and think of everything that we wish we tried before. But the the path is clear. If you invest in really knowing yourself, knowing what's important to you and knowing what to do and then doing it, you're you're not only going to find success, but you're going to really be content. Your life is going to mean something so that if you do fall short or Oh man, I don't have a room full of shoes, but I have, you know, two closets or whatever. I got two closets of flip-flops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Little yeah. So, I don't know. I I I I try really hard to not say things like everything's possible, but not everything is this hazy abstract 
version of itself. You know, even Monet paintings, you can zoom in. Even even graphic, you know, graphics, if you zoom in enough, you can see every pixel. So every goal, no matter how far it may be, has a certain number of steps there. You just have to do it. Yeah. And I promise you that no idea that you have is as wild as you think it is. Well, I wish you all the success in the world with this book. Thank you. The great place to promote it would be LinkedIn. A linked a LinkedIn to success. Oh yeah, there it there is. There you go. Um, so you, you've got you've got the gaming community, you've got the business community. Jordan, uh, also wanted to thank you for taking a, a good hour and a half, two hours to be with us today. Absolutely, this was really fun. Awesome. And awesome. might I add, quite inspiring. Oh, good, <laughs> good. I I pined over this this week because I really wanted to do it justice, and I really wanted to make sure I had the time to get it done. So I really hope that you feel like it was worthwhile. Oh my God, are oh, you kidding absolutely. me? Yeah, this was, this is crazy. It's crazy. Jordan, again, thank you for being on the show. And Athena, thank you as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.